Before we jump into our scripture this morning, just a reminder that if you would like to support the ministries of this podcast or the local church in which I serve, you may send all donations to 563 East Main Street, care of Henry's Chapel UMC, 563 East Main Street, Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350. Our text for this morning is in the book of 1 Thessalonians. In the second chapter, verses 1 through 8. And while you're turning there, um, I'm reminded of a time whenever I was playing cards with one of my nephews. And and they were much younger, three or four. And, And the way in which we would play is we would deal out the cards. And it didn't matter what cards were in our hand. Um, Automatically, my, my nephew won. It didn't matter what cards I had or what cards they had. It, even if I had the exact same cards they had had previously, they would just change the rules so that they won. And I'm sure that we've all had instances in this, like this where we where we find ourselves playing against a younger child and they always change the rules so that they win. Um, but this, it comes to my mind that this is so often what we do with the gospel, where we where we read the the scriptures and we shift the rules, we proof text so that we win. That we don't uh, we don't have to change, but others do. That we, we we make it promote our own way of life, our our own agendas, our own systems, our own wants and desires, and and, and that is what we hear in First Thessalonians chapter two verses one through eight. And I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version where it says, You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we have already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we have courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. So the first thing that we're hearing is that they had been shamefully mistreated in Philippi, and and that now they are coming with courage to proclaim God in spite of great opposition, that they're not worried about how they're going to be judged or treated, but they're going to proclaim the good news. And it continues in verse 3, it says, For our appeals does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak, not to, the, not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. And he says that we're not doing this out of deceit or impure motives to trick anybody, but what we're doing is we're doing this is because God has laid it on our hearts and we're seeking to please God. And not others, not man, but we're seeking to please God because God tests our hearts. God God sees what we do and tests our hearts. And in verse 5 it says, As you know and as God is our witnesses, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others. And so what he's saying is we're not seeking to be liked as we proclaim this, we're not seeking for you to hear us and go, oh, we look at how great a job they are doing. We're not seeking that to do this and for you to say, oh, we, we're going to give you something because of how you have promoted our own agenda. We're not doing this to seek praise from you or anyone else. And in verse 7, it says, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. And so what he, it closes out in saying is 
that he's coming to preach the good news. He's coming to bring the gospel, but he's doing it out of care for the people and so deeply that he cares for them that he's not only giving them the good news, but he's also giving of himself. And so as we unpack what we hear in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we We've, the first thing that we hear is that it, it affirms that the Christian faith is not just ne- merely some alternative religion among many. Um, it's not just a singular alternative to the assumptions, motivations, values, and social and political order of the empire. Um, but Paul's message of the gospel is unique. He says the gospel is difficult. To, he, he, what he's pointing out is that the gospel, gospel can be difficult to sell to people. This is what happened in Philippi. The people had, had fallen into the ways of the empire. And so when Paul preached against those ways, against the ways of the masses, against the ways of the systems that had been put in place by the government, he, what Paul was saying is that it's difficult to hear that when you are comfortable. It's difficult to sell to people who are comfortable. It's difficult to sell the gospel and to to preach the gospel and, and it be heard when it goes against what people are currently doing, when it calls people to change. Because comfortable people, um, they, they don't believe that a Christian faith promotes what it's all about because comfortable people believe that that what they're doing is right. And when the system is working for you, it's difficult to see that a system is broken. When, it, when everything is benefiting you, it's difficult to see how it doesn't work because it's hard to put ourselves in the place of the other. And so we go on, and, and Paul is warning us against this idea, this sanitation, this defanging, this manipulation or sterilization of the gospel in which what we do is we shift it to promote our own wants, our own desires, our own systems, our own empire, if you will. And he's telling the Thessalonians, as well as us, that to, pro- to proclaim the gospel, we must first seek God's strength and guidance for the courage to proclaim this good, this good news, but that we must be authentic. We must be authentic to what what the what the gospel truly is, not shifting it for what we for our own promotion, but be authentic in following Christ. You see, today we read in the paper of, of Christians in countries around the world who face arrest or even death for daring to proclaim the gospel, for daring to speak the good news. But what about us? What about the people here in America? Because it seems that a different kind of courage is required of those who live in countries like ours that celebrate this freedom of expression with respect to religion. Um, and I think we have to take a look at this idea of courage because so often we associate courage with bravery or even bravado, but courage can take many forms, and courage is related to, to confidence. Um, it's less about being right and more about being authentic, being authentic to ourselves, to God, and allowing the gospel to be authentic, as we've already said, in its teaching and in its guidance. And it's my fear that this confidence is something that we have lost that what we hear being warned against is exactly what has happened, that we have lost this confidence in proclaiming the gospel because it's a confidence that allows us to remain non-defensive when challenged. And so often in our current culture, when people, uh, when we are challenged, we automatically jump to defense, to, to attacking the other person, to, to 
saying, I'm right and you're wrong. But this confidence is, is kind of a quiet, it's a humble confidence of, I know that what I believe is true. And so therefore, um, I don't have to jump to its defense because it can defend itself. But what, what this confidence is, is listening respectfully to others, recognizing that God may be speaking to us through them. And so often I think what happens is when somebody says something that we don't like, instead of hearing it and saying, maybe they're right, maybe God is speaking to them and calling me to change, we automatically believe that we have it all figured out. We automatically believe that what we believe, that, that everything that promotes our own agendas, our own systems is true. And what we need to be willing to do is hear the other, but being able to hear and listen with the ears and the heart and the mind that God gave us, that we can hear God's truth, even if it is against our own systems, our own agendas, or even our own wants and desires. <laughs> this confidence is is not smug, but it's generous. It's, it's, a, it's a confidence that can translate into courage, courage that enables us to step outside of our comfort zones and say, you know what, maybe, just, maybe what has made me comfortable is not always what is good and just and right for the kingdom. To risk more than we've been willing to risk before, to, to change, to, to venture out, to, to say there's a possibility that I might have to give something up in order to gain the kingdom, to work alongside people who are new to us, and to trust that God who has entrusted us with the gospel is going to guide us through and guide us as we seek to be faithful witnesses in each new context and in each new encounter and everything that we do. Because we're not seeking to sustain, to sustain a system to please ourselves or others, but to proclaim the truth of the gospel and to please God. So often I think that the quote-unquote gospel that we proclaim on, on our Facebook or to one another or is promoting our own agenda, promoting our own system, promoting those things that make us comfortable, that, those things that promote who we are. But so often God says, deny thyself. Take up thy cross. And we lose sight of that because we want to promote the things that promote our own agenda. We want to promote the things that promote our own empire. And everything that Christ did almost, he was against the empire. So what does it mean to please God in our proclamation of the gospel? It means being faithful to the gospel. As God witnesses our actions and tests our hearts, we are called to respond to others in the same way that God has responded to us with generosity and grace. It also means recognizing that way that what I say and do either shines light or casts a shadow on God. I can either be a path or an obstacle. That the, the proclaiming to be a Christian, my actions do something when it to for, uh, for towards the image of Christ. That in the way in which I act, I can either shine a light and say, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what Gandhi was getting at when he said that I love your Christ, but I cannot send your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. What he was saying is, is that the way in which we live, act, and proclaim is so different than God. And so the way in which we act says something, not only about ourselves, but about the gospel and how it has affected us. It can shine a light or cast a shadow. We can be a path or an obstacle. It also means being humble enough to acknowledge that I do not have the, a corner on the gospel. And what it means is I must discern 
when to speak or act and when to let another speak or act. You see, I think so often we feel that we have to do it all. And so, but the reality is, is sometimes God calls us to be quiet, to let others speak and to let others act. But we've, we've, believe, we've fallen into the belief in our society and our world that we have to be louder than everyone else, that everything we do, we must proclaim, we must show our actions because that we have to let people know and, and we don't let our actions speak for themselves. Because so often when we're, when we're casting our actions, this is not to say that when you do th- good things to not tell people, but so often when we do ca- do those actions and we promote the things that we have done, what we're doing is we're seeking to please humans rather than God. In our, in our text, what the concern is, is for how they're carrying the word and conduct and how they're conducting themselves in relation to those receiving the word. Our authors point out that they did not flatter the Thessalonians in an attempt to get money out of them, nor did they seek to be flattered by the Thessalonians in order to gain the praise or privilege that an an apostle might expect. And so what they're saying is, we're not worried about what other people think. We're worried about our relationship and our standing with God. And this is echoed when we hear that God witnesses our actions and tests our hearts. It's not just questioning what or how we do, but it's also questioning our very motives as to the why we do what we do. Not just that we hope what we hope to accomplish, but also what is it that we hope to gain is being called into question. There is nothing wrong with gaining satisfaction or pleasure, but praise or privilege can easily shift our focus. When we begin receiving praise and privilege, we can find ourselves seeking to glorify ourselves rather than God. And that is what we are being warned against as proclaimers of the gospel to not be seeking self-gratification and self-satisfaction, but to be proclaiming the good news, to see God's kingdom come, to be proclaiming to glorify God in God's way, in God's reign, in God's place, not our own. So are we called, as we are called to share the gospel with this humble confidence, we are reminded that the word gospel literally means good story. And that in the course of sharing the gospel, of course we are called to also, as we hear in verse 8, share ourselves because we indeed are the living story. We are called to give up of ourselves to serve God. And so when we share of ourselves. We are proclaiming the good story of Christ and what Christ has done within us because Christ says no greater love is this than a man that would lay down his life for another. So we are called to give up our very lives for the betterment of the kingdom and for the other. And this suggests that sharing the word requires a willingness on our part to be vulnerable. To not only share what we know, but but how we strive to live what we know. To, to live out the failings and the doubts that we've encountered along the way, to be authentic in our faith, not saying I've got it all figured out and to promote ourselves and how good of Christians we are, but to say I'm on the same journey that you are, which raises the question, what have we learned on our journey of faith that would make us trustworthy guides to others? My friends, it is my hope that we 
will become humbly courageous as we live and proclaim the truth that is God's gospel, that is Christ's gospel, that is a gospel of change, that is a gospel of love and grace and mercy, that is a countercultural gospel that calls us to step out of our comfort zone and to embrace the different, the other, or as Christ would say, to take up our cross and follow him. Amen and amen.